0: Hey guys, I'm Whitney. And I'm Kylie. Welcome to the Midwest Farm Wives Podcast.
1: We are two millennial farm wives raising lots of littles, figuring out how to run ag businesses with our husbands, learning, loving, and living life day by day in America's heartland.
0: If you landed here, you can expect uplifting positive real talk about being a farm wife, mom, and being a woman in agriculture, conquering all God gives us. We are so excited you're traveling on this back road with us.
1: Okay. Hello. Welcome back to episode 19, the one where we talk to consumers. How are you?
0: I'm good. How are you? It's been a long time.
1: I'm wonderful. I know. I feel like it's been more than two weeks that since, or it's went fast, but it's feel like it's been more than two weeks since the last episode.
0: I know. We always, Normally we chat every single day and it seems like these last two weeks between like just getting back on track after the sickness and Um, all the things. It's the weather starting to get nice, commodity classic, and here we are.
1: Yes. It's like the winter slowness or what was slow is over now. Daylight Savings is on Sunday.
0: Oh, no way. I didn't know that. Yes.
1: I'm so pumped. That's my favorite time of year.
0: Me too. Um, Jordan just said the other day, he said, you know, the days are getting longer. And I'm like, you're right. It is getting lighter at like almost six now. So that means that we'll spring forward an hour. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get another
1: hour of daylight. Another
0: hour. God bless daylight savings time. Faux show. Sure. So what's. Been I know they talk up? about like, they talk about getting rid of daylight savings time sometimes, right? I, I don't know. the, Somebody doesn't even observe it in the States, I think.
1: Yeah, they're it. There is a one state that doesn't.
0: Indiana? I don't know. If you know, tell I'm gonna us. <laughs> I'm going to look that up. What else has been going on?
1: Um, so we started cleaning up on our new place, new to us, where we're going to put our storage building. So we've been burning and chopping wood and doing all that. And then Bart started back today. Yeah. Spring. So back to seasonal single mom life for me. How about you? Dang. Come on, you classic, obviously.
0: Yeah, commodity classic was epic. Um, this is not a paid advertisement, <laughs> but Pioneer and Corteva Agriscience sponsored me. If you haven't been following along, to for the event to come down and kind of run their social media. Um, so I got to hand out some custom made T-shirts. That was a really cool experience, and the T-shirt is cool, way cool. Um, I got you one, girl. Yeah, I text you, and you are had it. Of- <laughs> Like I, I already mean, had just I snagged you one of those. I'd already gotten you one. Um, but then also I I got to interview some individuals that were experts on things that we use on our farm and make it more relatable to everyone. And and I appreciated that from the aspect of like the not on the day to day task farm person of our farm. <laughs> that was a mouthful. Like I learned about about NSERV and the importance of that nitrogen stabilizer. And I actually learned, like I got to interview, but I actually like absorbed all the information. Right. That was really cool. Um,
1: to talk to someone about devil's dust.
0: Yeah. Milo or sorghum, which I think it's the same thing, right? Yes. We just, we call it Milo, but it is sorghum. We, we would call it Milo as well. But sorghum is what the, like what it was said down there. And he is actually a past record holder for sorghum. I saw that. And so, he was, um, you know, he was helping me to understand what it was, but I still am not quite sure. I mean, I, I know what it looks like in fields, right? Like I've seen it before. Um, we don't grow it or anything. What else? Is he was from anything Panthers?
1: about it being itchy. Mm-mm. I can't believe you did not Like that stuff is seriously the devil's dust. It is so <laughs> itchy. And once it touches your skin, you itch all day until you shower. Like, it's like you had a haircut,
0: but worse, worse. Yes. Worse. Yeah. So yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else. I got to meet a ton of followers, a lot of people that listen to the podcast and could relate. So if you were Commodity Classic and you came up and said hi to me and asked about, you know, the podcast and whatnot, I appreciate everybody that actually did make touch with me. Um, I let Whitney know that most of you asked about her too.
1: Makes us feel very humble that people are
0: getting something from us chatting. Right. It is, it definitely makes it worth it. Like being able to go and um meet people like that it's just it makes it worth it yes should we move on in oh you know what let's chat really quick about the coronavirus oh it's it's hurting
1: the not only the markets but everything in our uh economy
0: yeah the grain markets have actually been up a little bit surprisingly but the you know stock market has taken a huge hit and i go through these breaks of like ah Mayday SOS. And then the next time I'm like, okay, like it's going to be okay. You know, if you have a pre, a pre illness, like if you have something going on anyways, or if you're really elderly or really young, then you obviously don't want to be around it. I'm not trying to compare it to the flu by any means, but it is like transferable, like the flu. Right. So, right the ways that you eliminate yourself from getting the flu is what you're, from what I understand is what you're supposed to be doing also for the coronavirus. Right.
1: Right. So did you see that they're strongly like really considering canceling the Olympics this year?
0: Well, and like March madness, I've heard something about them playing in a, um, like a, uh, fan free gym. Oh my. So that
1: nobody's in there to pass anything. I read
0: that. I have no idea if that's actually going to happen, but wow. Did you, see the,
1: did you see the Dow was down 1600 points the other, over the last week?
0: Oh, like I was like at the commodity classic, Jordan would turn the news on in the morning and I was like, can you just turn it off? Like I'm trying to be positive and go to this with a, like a smile on my face and the three M masks that you, people are buying again, I'm not trying to sound shallow about this at all, those are the exact same masks that we use for our grain bins and for the hogs. And we're almost out of them. So you better stock and up. <laughs> I, well, they're, I'm not going to stock up because the three implant we heard in South Dakota is like hiring on the spot to make more of these masks because they're virtually sold out. To get 20 of them, it is $200. Oh my goodness. Right. So yeah. they're saying on the news, like don't buy them. To leave them for like the, the hospital workers who actually do have to be around it, like they're because they're taking care of all of us. God bless you, people who work in the hospital. Oh my or god, the doctors' okay. offices. Um, so so that's the
1: stock for the people that truly need it to protect themselves from coronavirus.
0: Right. I told Jordan, I'm like, we're just going to need to reuse these. Okay. Anyway,
1: enough about that, or we're going to stress people out. Should we read a review?
0: Yeah. I'm totally good with that. This review is from This Farm Girl Cooks. Is there any other way? These ladies do what I love to do most, keeping things real. If you're a farm wife or a farm mama, check out this podcast. So much goodness here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank
1: you. And if you haven't reviewed, please take the time to do so. It keeps us relevant in the podcast world and on iTunes. So Apple iTunes reviews, we so
0: appreciate it. Yep. I agree. They, you know, after that initial surge, they start to come in slower and that's totally great, but we do know we have new listeners. So if you just have like two minutes while you're on the podcast, you can rate it right on there.
1: Yep. Okay. Today we are talking about bridging the gap between consumers and us, the producer.
0: And we're not going to solve the world's problems today. Like we're just going to talk about maybe some steps that we're doing to help to bridge the gap Um, And then also maybe some things that you can do also to help just maybe get the consumers one step closer to understanding farming and vice versa. And sharing your
1: story without fear of judgment. Because there's
0: always going to be judgment. So the question is, is it advocating for ag or is it agvocating?
1: I believe there's a very large debate over this.
0: And I personally don't care. Either word is fine with me. Agreed. I actually think that like when I hash, I never say I'm an advocate, but I use the hashtag on Instagram often. Um, I think it's kind of like farmer, farm wife, farm her, that whole debacle. Um, I think as long as you're doing what you're doing best, then like whatever people call you is whatever.
1: Yeah. One word can sum you up even though there's other words that maybe could describe you, it doesn't matter.
0: Yep. So I would say we are advocates for ag and we are also advocating actively all the time. Right. Whether would... that be through the Instagram, through the podcast, we, you know, you and I have multiple venues that we are trying to reach out and um, educate, but I wouldn't say educating is like our sole purpose, right? It's it's more connecting. Right.
1: I would agree with that. And I would say that. I have tried both ways. Facebook is very resistant to um, advocating or like trying to open up and Instagram is a super amazing place that supports all. I don't know if you felt that push or pull, but
0: I feel better on Instagram. Instagram is a positive place. We do have a farm page, Epperson Family Farms. Um, and it's not as big, right, but it is connecting to different people for sure. Definitely that older generation who's like on Facebook, not in all the social media channels. And I do feel a lot of positivity to them, but just the general Facebook world, I would say there is way more resistance. And then you get on ag Twitter and that's a whole ball of like its own world, negativity and honesty and hateful. Yeah. I'm not getting on Twitter. No way. I have Twitter, but like I, it's, it takes a lot of time. And I know people who are good at it that they just are like, Oh, second nature. Like Twitter's where I'm at. I have I'm not trying to be closed minded, but I just haven't got there. And I don't know that I want to go there. Yeah. I
1: have really tough skin, but I feel like Twitter would break me down.
0: It's like daggers.
1: <laughs> yeah. At your I mean, I still get some hate on Instagram and like even in real life, but I can shield it off pretty well. I've learned that, you know, I talked to someone the other day, she had posted about pesticides and was having issues with people, you know, not believing in what she was saying or the facts or whatever. And I just told her that sometimes there are just some people out there that no matter how much you argue, you're not going to change their mind. So honestly, silence sometimes is the best venue for people like that. Yep. And you can talk yourself blue in the face and nothing's, no matter how light or heavy the subject is, you're not
0: going to change their mind. Um, and I think too, that's 100% accurate because we, if you remember back on new year's Eve, I had like a vegan come at me and I'm not generalizing vegans because once I shared something I blocked, I was like block and delete. I'm not, there's an absolutely, you're insulting my, like my looks, my ability to be a mother based on the choices that I make to support our family. Okay. Like, well, you're not going to argue about this because it's so that has nothing to not do with work, work. now. I'm, I'm not bringing in 2020 like this. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I blocked, but then I had shared just a little piece of it on my story. Like anybody want to help me out with this? And I had three, um, individuals who are also vegan say like, this is why vegan people get a bad name because that per people like this person who was attacking, you know, the other people who were responding to my post say like, I su- you know, you do what you got to do. You know, that's your choice. Just like I feel the same way about them choosing to be vegan or want to eat organic with no pests, whatever.
1: It's like, all choice. All and that's the great thing we have in America.
0: So mo- most people in the United States are three to four generations removed from the family farm, which to me is like, whoa, that is crazy. It's like a hundred years, a hundred plus years, really three, four generations. Right. Okay. Well, I
1: would be second. My granddad farmed and then it
0: skipped my mom.
1: Right. Well, but if it
0: didn't skip your mom, you'd be third. Right. Oh yeah. I, yeah. Like hypothetically, if it was just like age range. Right. So Jordan is a fourth generation farmer. I swear he was a fifth generation farmer, but we did some history and, um, to the best we can tell his great grandfather had like cattle, kind of the like picturesque family farm, you know, a little bit of cattle, a little bit of hogs, a little bit of row crop. Um, and that was like, and he was born in the 1880s. Right.
1: So Bart would have been fourth generation if he was on his family farm, but he's not. So
0: that's why we call ourselves first. First geners. So the point is that there's such there it's no wonder that there's a disconnect between the consumer and the farmer. Like you don't you may see the corn in the field, but you have absolutely no connection to it.
1: I mean, that would be me. My granddad farmed and growing up, I had no idea how meat got in our freezer. I thought my mom just bought it and that's how we got it. The grocery store, like food comes from yeah. the grocery store. Yeah. And I'm not like I'm being very open by saying that, but that's how
0: 80% of the world is. We just don't know where things come from. Yep. And the problem with that is then, you know, farmers and ranchers are making up less than 2% of the that US population. So not only are we tasked with doing the farm work, the book work, the trading of the grain, the um, mechanics in the shop, and doing all of those things. And then we're also now having to tell our story. Like, That is a lot to have to add to your plate.
1: Yeah, it is. And you know, a lot of people, I've had people ask me personally, why do you feel like you should share? Right. Same. And I feel like it's for not even just the younger generation, but for like the me, the me of this world that didn't know where your food came from, or even just small facts about like why we do this or why we do this. There's so many people that don't know. And I just think that's a really good way to, even if, even if they're another producer, I mean, there's stuff I learned from you. That's bridging the gap between producer and producer Yep. just
0: by sharing our story. The key though, I, I agree with you. I, the key is to figure out how to even connect with that consumer. Why does a consumer want to see the grateful farm wife or farm wife guru on their social media? Right.
1: Because we bring sure. some sort of, I'm going to say yeah. some sort of knowledge.
0: Added value?
1: Yeah. Added value. That's the word. <laughs> Whether that be inspiration, motivation, something about motherhood. Yeah, motherhood, the podcast. I mean, it doesn't just have to be our farms that connect us to people via consumer producer.
0: Yeah. And I think that the, the force fed facts is not the way to advocate in my opinion. No. All rights in reserve to Kylie's opinion, to herself, right? But just giving endless facts, which are right, I agree. Like they're good facts, they should be used, but you have to connect in an, in an additional way. Like you have to offer a fact and make it to where someone wants to read about it and learn about it. Right,
1: or can somehow
0: relate to it. And I'm not sure that we've perfected that, but that's what we're doing. That's, how, that's what we're trying to do at least. So we started with the Instagram, We're reaching out to that particularly farm wife, I would say of the millennial age, primarily. And we're we're saying, hey, we're farming. We're also moms. We're also wives. We also do the housework. We also do book work. Can you relate to any of these things and the craziness of our life?
1: And we still want to be involved in our farm and share our story.
0: And even in bigger things like your women in ag event and me going to commodity classic and actually getting to talk to people outside of our circles. Um, that's what we're doing.
1: Yeah. And and yeah. In, the, in the big scheme of things, some days it feels like you're just failing forward because you're really not sure if anyone's out there listening, whether you're just talking to yourself. But I think that that's part of it. That's part of sharing your story and advocating is that it doesn't much matter if you reach a thousand people or one it's if it's one person, that one person can go tell someone else. And you know, that's how that, that's how advocating works. I feel like.
0: I think it snowballs. I I agree. I think you get, you get started and it does take a lot of back work and we did not go from a thousand followers to 7,000 followers. Not even that that's a big deal, but we didn't go do that overnight. It's about consistency and sharing little bits of your life. Because I personally think that the consumer wants to trust the American farmer.
1: They want to see that we're actually families and raising our kids here and they're fine out in the field doing what we're
0: doing. Eating the same food. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's one big thing. We don't have a special, you know, box of Pork or we a lot of pork that pigs that we raise to feed ourselves, we actually eat the same meat that we sell to be put onto the shelves. We eat that exact same meat out of that same barn. Right. and um, we're we're building a legacy. It's more than just farming. It's more than just owning a business. It's what we're doing for our families. And so I think if you can bring any of that um, trusting aspects like vulnerability and um, sharing your story, uh, you're going to gain traction with others. I still have yet to um, perfect that. Like, How do I get a someone who's completely unrelated to the farm to my page? I don't know. Right. And
1: I also am the type of person that I'm not going to stress over that. They're going to know
0: me either. or they're not. Um, but I, th- I do think that's something we need to be focusing on is not necessarily talk. It's good to talk ag dag. I think so. I think we do need to have an open mind of like talking to consumers as well. Like not actively making that our entire goal but you know maybe be have that as one of our underlying goals of reaching people who shop at your local grocery store for example right. and
1: i i also really really love when people will ask me questions like not even related to our farm like if somebody asked me something and i do not know the answer like when i started this podcast Bart's main thing he was like you cannot talk about things that you don't know about and i said i know mm-hmm. that like i'm not the type of person that's going to misinform someone Someone the other day asked me something about hogs or something I could not remember. And it was like on a larger scale. And I'm like, you know what? I do not know the answer to that, but I can find out for you. Like, it's just that easy. Like I I didn't ill inform anyone. I found out the information for them, relayed it back. And that bridged between me and her, like showing her that I could still find her some information because that's what I like to do.
0: Yeah. And even if you don't have the time or the effort, like you don't have enough mental ability to put out the effort to like relay that information, you could always relay it to somebody that, you know, like you could always say like, Hey, I don't know. Um, let me connect you with the grateful farm wife or farm wife guru or whatever that may be. If you don't have, you don't have to even put that much effort into it. If you just, if you just can't spare it. Right. But
1: it's nice to have our ag connections to where we do feel like I could send her your way because I don't, I don't want to answer something that I can't.
0: Yep. Incorrect is incorrect, no matter how it comes and, and, you know, in what form it comes.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um,
0: I also, I was on that, a panel at commodity classic talking about this very thing, bridging the gap, um, millennial consumers and millennial farmers, like their research showed that we were all moving in the same direction. We all understood and had similar goals, but where was that like disconnect? So how do we, how do we bridge the gap? I think sharing your story is just unbelievably important. We, we hear that all the time from all the Instagram and, and YouTube and, and Facebook bloggers, share your story. Well, then we start sharing our story and we get discouraged because we can't do it like everyone else. or we're not doing it in the same fashion or the same rate of success, whatever you gauge success as. And so my advice would be to definitely share your story in your own way. If that means adding in one farming picture every seven days, that's the start. Right. You just
1: have to put your first foot forward and do it. Don't let it consume your life. Only talk about what you're comfortable about talking about.
0: Don't compare. Try your hardest not to compare to others. That's a hard one. Oh, that is hard. That's why I said I I corrected myself. Instead of saying don't, it's not a hard rule. Do your best not to do your best because we both still do that as well. Yeah. I mean, we'll compare it to each other and we're like, why are you doing that? Right. But it's fine.
1: I think another way that is really good for you to be involved is to just keep wanting to learn. You know, yeah. I have people ask me all the time, like, where do you get your information? Well, we get the high plains journal and we get farm journal. And I look on the USDA website and FSA. I mean, there's so many outlets out there that have so much information, American Farm Bureau, so many things that will give you just little bits of information every week even.
0: And you can have those sent directly to your inbox. Like almost all, everything has a, a an email newsletter, right. like NPPC, if you like pork stuff. So I'm going to plug Missouri pork. Missouri passed legislation that Meat that is not an actual meat cannot be labeled as so. So like impossible pork, they just came out with that. And they had a huge ad in the Kansas City airport, which is in Missouri. Legislation just from what I read on my newsletter passed that said, you can't do that, which I am like, go Missouri. Again, if you want the impossible pork burger, go have it. But we've not, it's impossible protein alternative protein source you know what i mean like yeah it's fine that you eat it that's it that's not what i'm saying i'm not gonna i'm not gonna spark an attack here but i'm saying there um it's just I'm, you can get imp- it can all information can be readily available for you if you look for it right good information we like did you Van
1: trump report i don't know if anyone out there does that i does it do you have to pay
0: for that yeah so like, the van trump report is a paid yeah. one but really good
1: but I mean the rest of those USDA FSA American Farm Bureau all of those are just an email that you get sent every week and there's so much information in there. High Plains Journal has great articles.
0: And we don't I don't think that's like that you have something local just, to you because yeah, I think it's a Kansas thing. Like our, like we have the Delta Farm Press. I just saw and um, Kelly Griggs was on it, the cover of it. I don't yeah. know where it's at now in my office, but um Greg's Family Greg's Tennessee Farms. Yeah. Yeah, she was on it. So that was kind of cool. I I sent a picture to her. But things like that. Yeah. Farm journal, anything you can find to learn more. Yeah. And that's all well, just however much you want
1: to do. Right. Or like and I took yeah. a books class. Something as simple as that, which also gave me a ton of information that I didn't know. Yeah. It's I, love amazing. That stuff. I was so it's weird because off. I hated college and I hated learning, but now I think it's because I found something I want to learn about. It's purpose. Is that I love it.
0: Yeah. What'd you go to to college when you were in college for?
1: Well, I was going to do nursing and then I had to become a CNA. And when I had to wipe someone's butt, I puked. (laughs) So I quit. (laughs) Again. (laughs) God bless all CNAs and nurses. My goodness.
0: I know. Like we talked about the coronavirus. Like we will save our masks for you because you guys are freaking rock stars.
1: Truly. I worked at a it was like assisted living too. It wasn't even like a nursing home. I worked there for two months. I puked every other day at work. I quit. I'm like, there's no way I can do this with my life. So God bless
0: all of you. It just didn't fit you. It does not that it was wrong. It just didn't fit.
1: No. So then I went back my second year for vet tech and I finished doing like my animal science and stuff. And I just after two years I I didn't see that I was gonna move back to Sharon Springs and that wasn't gonna get me a job here. So I just stopped wasting money and got my associates. Yeah. But I truly did that you. school.
0: No. Well, it's just different when you have a reason to like, a reason to learn. It becomes more relevant in your life when you like, okay, well, I can actually use this.
1: I will say I wish I would have taken more accounting classes now that I know where I'm at now. Amen. But you
0: never know. You can even, we're almost done here, so just hang tight. You can even advocate or advocate for ag in your local grocery stores. Um, Like our grain is sent down the Mississippi and we're pretty sure most of our grain goes into animal feed. That's what ours is too. We also raise hogs. So when someone buys pork, if I feel like the need, I just say like, hey, thanks for buying pork. I'm a, I'm a hog farmer. I
1: mean, simple as that. It
0: doesn't.
1: Yeah. I also saw a quote the other day that said, um, I can't think of it word for word, but something about producers care about the land, care about the animals, care about the soil, care about everything in so many big ways because producers are consumers too. And it's like, yes, we're in the grocery store buying the same things that you are, maybe in a different way. You know, if you want organic, that's fine. I'm not going to buy organic because we don't grow organic. But you have that choice, which is amazing. And no matter what you get in the grocery store, at a huge Costco, Sam's Club, whatever, your food is going to be safe. No matter what those labels, however misleading they may be, everything's safe. They have to pass a regulation and they are safe for you to eat, you and your family.
0: We are so food rich. And in America, I'm also going to assume that we're food-rich in Canada. Like North America is very food-rich. We have so many affordable choices that you get to choose from. So whether it be true labeling, misleading labeling, it doesn't actually really make any difference in regards to the safety of the food. I agree 100%.
1: So I I think think misleading labels are very annoying because (laughs) that's where some consumer producer stuff gets confusing for people or maybe some
0: trust is lost do you agree and i yeah and i think that has to do with that like impossible meat too Mm -hmm. like or or even almond milk isn't that an interesting like is is it it's not really milk that's a they're all it's very confusing i mean it's even confusing for me sometimes
1: I, and I think my Instagram yesterday, if someone that grass finishes their beef could message me because me and Bart and his brother had an argument over the weekend and I was very confused because I have seen people that pasture raised beef on grass, call it grass finish, but then they were still grain finishing like at the very end. And so I was very misled and confused that that was where the labeling of grass finished was and come to find out that is wrong. The people that are doing that are not allowed to use that label. They're using pasture-raised label, which is so confusing, but oh my goodness, I'm so glad that I found out because I was the one that was wrong. And so if you are getting grass-finished beef, I've talked to several people, you may be getting grass the whole time of their life and then they get hay or silage at the end. So there you go. Debunked that for you. I was so upset because I thought I was right. And I wasn't,
0: um, I, I read into that one time on the grass finished and stuff. Cause I was like, this doesn't make any sense. How is that right? That they can label it one thing. And it's actually something else. And it all just has to do with labeling. And so it, it would be, conf- it would be so confusing. It's not, it's not necessarily misleading as much as it is just confusing.
1: And I can't imagine a consumer out there that has never been around cattle that would even understand the difference. You know what I mean? Like I was, I'm lucky enough that Bart's family has taught me a ton about beef cattle, that I know. And so I go into a store and I can tell. I can't imagine
0: not knowing and trying to look at all of that. Well, and then you have the people singing loudly. Um. How do I put this? This one way to do it is the right way and if you eat any other way you're going to get sick and or it's got all these bad things in it and all blah, blah 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 this you should not eat this for this reason and this reason and this reason you should only eat this way and those people are loud and they're wrong and they're they're not and, and we're trying to we're trying to give light to all ag and and some of some of people that you know I don't I don't want to say anything cuz it's it it really is just maybe like one person and they're telling this huge loud story and all of their audience is listening
1: Right. And I also think that that's a good, that's a good reason to have good relationships with other ag producers so we can support one another and learn from each other and be able to support each other when we see those types of things.
0: Yeah. And so circling back around, we think it's super important to tell your story. Like even if you're only reaching the hundred people on your Instagram following or the 500 people on your Facebook, you're reaching them. Okay. They're listening. So Trust your American farmer. We are truly doing what we're, we're trying to do what's best with what we have.
1: I agree. We're failing forward.
0: Failing forward. We're doing the best we can.
1: And we're families and we're good people and we're not trying to kill anyone. And grain's cheap. Oh, it is. (laughs) I just have to tell this little fun fact because I saw the other day I got Bodie this little corn book And it says a STEM fact today, one farmer feeds 155 people in 1960, one farmer only fed 26 people. How amazing is that?
0: So cool. I like, I love stuff like that. And we're doing it with like less water, less land use, less chemicals, less because
1: of the amazing technology we have. Technology is
0: bomb.com. Agreed.
1: Okay. So So we are going to a super fun interview with Brandy Buzzard, who is going to talk about, um, based marketing and some of the same things that we discussed. So I'll be interviewing her
0: now. Yeah. Fun fact. Brandy's husband worked with us in our, um, built rebuilding of our saw unit. We did some like work with the company that he works for. So that's kind of fun. So we'll be interested to hear from her.
1: Okay, so we are here with Brandy Buzzard. She is going to do an interview with us today. Uh, How are you, Brandy? I'm doing well, Whitney. How are you? I'm good. It's sunny here and going to be 60, so I'll take that.
2: Same. I'm very happy spring is here.
1: Yes, spring has sprung. So do you want to give us a little short biography about you and your cattle background and everything?
2: Yeah, so I grew up kind of like most people do in rural america like in 4H and FFA and i knew that i always wanted to be involved in production agriculture and i but i didn't know really know how that was going to work um and then after i met my husband when we were in college we you know went through grad school and things like that and then finally um we moved to back to where i'm from in the same county and we have been raising purebred gelby cattle for about 4 years now um so i do that you know that's my personal beef industry um, involvement. And then on a professional side, I have worked for the Beef Cattle Institute and K-State Research and Extension. I did uh, about four and a half years with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. And now I am with the Red Angus Association of America, and I've been there for about two and a half years. So a very beef, uh, beef heavy lifestyle and career for me.
1: Yes, it sounds like you've experienced a lot in your short young years.
2: So when you well, thank you for saying I'm young. <laughs>
1: you're only as old as you feel, right?
2: <laughs> that's true. Well, maybe I don't. We don't want to go by that. Maybe I don't know.
1: So Kylie and I discussed before this interview that your husband maybe helped with their sow unit stuff. Oh, I'm
2: certain. That's yeah, it. there's only. Pretty. There, he has a very unique name. Yeah, and he uh. I'm certain that was the same person. Yes. I mean, the ag industry and beef and pork is all very small world when you get down to the brass tacks. Oh yeah. I'm sure that was
1: So we talked a lot before this interview about advocating and how sharing your story is super important so that somebody else isn't offering ill information or misinformed stuff. Um, How do you feel about advocating and sharing your story?
2: Well, I mean, to me, it's just part of it's an integral and necessary part of being a beef producer. Um, I care very as as most beef producers do, I care very much about preserving the land and preserving our business so that my daughter and her future children will have this, this operation for generations to come. And, and honestly, if we don't stand up for our beliefs and for our lifestyle, if we're not at the table, we're gonna be on the table. A good friend of mine, Debbie Lines Blythe, has always said that, and I love that saying. So if we're not willing to speak up and share what we do, somebody else is going to do it for us, whether it be PETA or HSUS or some other animal rights activist group, and we're not going to like the narrative that they're sharing. So to me, this is, if you want to be in the beef business 20 years from now, you need to be an advocate for yourself.
1: Right. We completely agree on the farming side as well, just because there's so many, we also discussed... um, Fear-based marketing and labels on beef and GMOs and all that stuff in the grocery store. How as producers we feel like we can decipher what is correct, but as a consumer, it would be very consuming to sit or confusing to sit in the grocery store and try to depict what was correct and what's not. And so we feel like, you know, advocating is the only way you can help people learn that.
2: Yeah, I mean, again, there's so much information out there. There for grocery shoppers to that's just inundating grocery shoppers and something i've shared in the past with people is that like if food is in the grocery store you don't need to be scared of it the food in our grocery stores is safe now that you could strip off all the labels off of every product and all that food is going to be safe so what i talk to moms about a lot is you know if you worry about what you're if you're in the grocery store and you're struggling between like the regular mac and cheese and the organic mac and cheese You're a good mom. You don't need to worry about what kind of mac and cheese you're giving your kid. The fact that you're worried about the food you're feeding them and that you're concerned shows that you're a good mom. And then also, like, kids eat boogers and dirt and bugs and, like, so really the difference between, or there's no difference between organic mac and cheese and regular mac and cheese in terms of healthiness or safety. So, and then when you think about all the other nasty stuff that kids get into, just, feed your kids the foods that you feel comfortable feeding them and that you can afford and you're doing a great job.
1: Exactly. We, we called ourselves in America food rich because of how many options we get that are all hundred percent safe, no matter what you choose. So I know you talk, oh, lot, absolutely. I know you talk a lot about fear-based marketing. What, what are your thoughts on that?
2: I think it is atrocious and low down And I don't like seeing it because it preys on people's deepest, I mean, food is very emotional. And when you start guilting people into eating something that either they can't afford or that they don't understand simply to sell something, I think that is just, I think that's despicable. Um, I just, I don't have any tolerance for it. I just, I don't. Um, It's hard to form coherent thoughts about it when I get so angry, when I see carrot. It's labeled as non-GMO on a package of baby food, there aren't any GMO carrots. Well, first off, GMOs are safe. Secondly, there aren't any GMO carrots on the market, like at the grocery store. So a, a, a label saying non-GMO carrots is just pointless because there's no counter product that you're that you're differentiating between, and that's just that's just dirty marketing. And I don't think there's any room for it. And this is part of the reason why people can't trust people have issues trusting where their food comes from is because there's so many labels flying at them that they don't know what to understand. So um, I don't have any tolerance for it. When I see bad behavior in fear-based marketing, I call it out. And I call it out when I see it on the, when I see agriculture doing it too. So because we can be guilty of it. And I think it's just as despicable and silly when we do it as well. So I call it out when I see it, wherever, wherever I'm at. Right. And I, I just think it makes that bridge between a producer
1: and a consumer even larger, and it makes them not trust us. It, you know, they make GMOs out to be so terrifying that they see that on a baby food label and they're not going
2: to buy that. I mean, why yeah, would they
1: have made it scary? It,
2: yeah. It's just, it's, like I said, it's just despicable. I, I cannot stand when they do that. And moms have enough struggles and challenges going on in their lives as it, as it is, without having to worry about whether or not the baby food that they're going to give their kid is is good for them. So moms, if you're listening, baby food in the grocery store safe, feed your kid what you want, you're going to be okay.
1: Right, exactly. I totally agree with that. And I mean, even me before before we started farming, our first kiddo, you know, I was a new farm wife, I was a new mom, I was new to agriculture because I didn't grow up in it. And I was that lady in the grocery store, like everyone had made me scared of GMOs until I learned and we started planting GMO corn and everything. It was scary. I mean, it's a, it's a consumer fear-based marketing and it's, I agree, it's atrocious. So.
2: Yeah. Probably, I would say that's probably the worst defender of the fear-based marketing is the non-GMO movement because there's, oh, I think I was, I was at a conference a couple of weeks ago And Jolene Brown was speaking and she was talking about how she had been in a grocery store and she saw a sign labeling non-GMO water. I mean, come on, non-GMO water. That's ridiculous. There's no, a GMO has to have DNA. There's no DNA in water. Um, So it was just interesting to hear how far companies are willing to go to make a buck. They don't, it shows that a lot of times they don't care about their customers. They just care about making a dollar. Right. And I,
1: so we, Kylie and I, we've discussed that we feel that's why we should advocate just because of that. We have to let people know that those things are, first of all, myths there, we need to debunk that they're lies and that we just need to share the truth. And just like you said, otherwise you're on the table, you're going to be on the chopping block.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 100% agree.
1: So I know you did a podcast the other day. I actually just listened to it yesterday. And you guys named some ways or seven
2: rules about advocating. Is that what it was? Yeah, it was a podcast I did with the Beef Cattle Institute at K-State. And it was we talked about a lot of things, but we talked about sustainability and grocery shopping and and advocacy and things like that. And the the last part of it, they do like a list every episode. And that list was like seven ways to be a, a better advocate or something. I can't remember the exact title, but it was about being an advocate. So can you name some of those for us? (laughs) Okay. Sorry. I should have known that was coming. Um, So one of the ways was, um, well, one of the things was uh, thick skin. So if as an advocate, if you can't take being called a bad mom every once in a while, you maybe should sit this one out because that happens. When I called out Gerber for the non-GMO carrots, I got called a horrible mom and an idiot and some other not nice names because like, why didn't I just make baby food for my child, which never occurred to me to ever do. That's not something I've ever wanted to do was make baby food. So, um, but that made me bad mom. Another one was um, stay in your lane. So um, I, if you follow me online or heard me talk in the past, like, you know, I'm not a farmer. My family, my husband and I, we have custom cut hay and then we, or we pay someone to do our hay, and then we have cattle, so we don't farm anything nothing I don't have anything against farming, but we just don't do it we don't own land to farm so um, I don't speak about farming like I'm not going to get out of my lane and talk about one crop versus the other and all the intricacies of it because I just don't know that so as an advocate, I have a lot of friends like like you know all about growing. GMO corn. So if I have someone ask me a question about that, I can refer them to you. So it's I stay in my lane. Um, Another one is that you don't have to be online to be an advocate for agriculture. A lot of people think that you have to have like a big blog and Instagram and Facebook and all these social media things. And I'm using my hands, and I realize that the people can't see me talking, can't see me right now. But you don't have to have all these different social media outlets. There's a lot of ways that you can focus your efforts at home. Um, whether that be speaking at like a Rotary Club or a Knights of Columbus meeting, or, you know, going to um, like hosting a day at the farm for kindergarten classes, or um, just going to the grocery store, like if the local women's cattleman club or something like that, or like the local women's group wants a cattleman or cattlewoman to come help them pass out beef samples. Like those are all ways that you can get involved in your hometown and your home region. And you don't have to make yourself be out there on social media. So there are lots of ways to, um, to get involved without being on social media. So I think those are three really big ones that that people should understand.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that. And, you know, stay in your own lane. You can also get to where you think that you're not advocating to anyone because you don't have 10,000 followers. So I always think if I can just reach one person and then it's a waterfall effect that they can let someone else know that I'm doing what I feel like I was set out to do,
2: yeah, oh absolutely i have um and when I do give presentation like when I speak at conferences and things like that, I have a I talk about how growing up I rodeoed and I still rodeoed, and my I didn't grow up with like a you know like a seventy five foot trailer and a big rig i I mean we just that's not what we did and but my dad always told me it's not about what you pull up to the rodeo, it's about what you back out of the the trailer and um how you can perform in the arena. And I apply that same mindset to advocacy. You don't have to have a Facebook page with like 10 or more thousand followers or 20000 followers on Instagram or a big blog. Like the fact that you're doing something little every day. And if you can reach one person, then, then you've accomplished something. So, um, on days when I feel like I'm not reaching anybody, I, I remember that there are a couple of people that always comment. They're very active on my Facebook page. Um, one's name is Chet. And the other's name is Larry, and Chet does not want to farm, but he is very appreciative of what farmers and ranchers do, and he constantly makes comments that says, "You know, thanks for sharing that information. I didn't know that." And Larry is a man who told me that ever since he started following my blog, he has felt m- far more comfortable eating beef than he had before in his life. I mean, that's the whole point, right there. That's the point of advocacy: is helping people be confident in the food they are eating and not be scared. So if I could just meet a Chuck or if every month I can meet one Chet and one Larry, I feel like I'm doing my part in helping preserve this lifestyle for future generations.
1: Exactly. Those are both really awesome examples that you gave there. And so also on that note, did you just receive an award for advocacy? Is that correct?
2: Um, yeah, I did. So in, um, January or February, I was named the, um, the National Cattlemen's Beef Association Masters of Beef at NCBA Masters of Beef Advocate Advocacy Advocate of the Year. It's a really long title for an award. Um, but anyway, Advocate of the Year. So that was very, um, that was really great. I was honored to receive that. And, um, yeah, it's it's been nice. People have been very kind, but I'm kind of honestly, I'm not very good at dealing with like attention like that. So I'm kind of ready for the next advocate of the year to be named, <laughs> so that well, I won't have to talk about <laughs> will to talk about it anymore. But people have been very kind and very supportive.
1: Well, that's awesome. Congratulations on that. And so oh, one more thing that I wanted to ask you about, um, I I can't quite remember exactly what the title was, but you wrote a letter to Fox News. Um, last
2: February. I wrote a letter to Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez after the Green New Deal came out. Um, And in the frequently asked questions of the Green New Deal, there was reference to cows, I hate saying this word on air, but cows farting. And so that, I would advise no one, don't try not to say that word on like national television, if you can get away with it. Um, But I wrote that letter and after I wrote it and emailed it to her, I put it on my blog, just you know, for the heck of it. And then I put it on Facebook and it blogged, it crashed my blog three times in like 48 hours. And to date it's, it's had like almost, almost 275,000 people have seen it. So it definitely went viral. And a lot of big thing, thing, a lot of cool things happened from that. So yeah. TV well, that interviews was- and the White House and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. And it was a good letter. Oh, well, thank as you. Well, as we all know cattle aren't the
2: problem. Cattle are not the problem. You can't, you can't have 300 million cars on the road and I don't know how many flights we take a year I have it written down somewhere and then look at cows and point the finger. Right. It's just, it just doesn't take common sense to look at that and figure out that cows are not the problem. I don't think it takes much common sense to figure that out, but apparently I am in the minority on that.
1: Right. Again, we are raising our kids and living the life.
2: So that's why we have to advocate, I guess, for- Folks like that. Exactly. I mean, I live where there's pretty clean air. So I get, I don't, I can't imagine why someone would think that cows are having, are complicating things, especially when you go to a city and you see all the smog. But, right. So anyway, we're about to, that's going to send me into a whole new rant right there. You have to write another blog. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. I've got one in the, I, I published, one the other day about modern cattle ranching, and I've got an idea for one about like looking in the mirror and facing facts, and I've got to figure out how to write it in a way that doesn't show how angry I am when I hear someone <laughs> playing cows
1: right but, well it's I mean it's our lifestyle, we love what we do. we put our blood, sweat and tears into it, so when we get accused of harming people or trying to harm people it's really hard to take i I understand that hundred percent
2: yeah, no one likes to have their career and their. Livelihood attacked. So no, so I really appreciate
1: you being on with us today. Um, for our listeners, where can they find you on your social media or your blog, or where would you like them to look?
2: So on Instagram, I am Brandy Buzzard, Brandy with an I, and Buzzard like the bird. I'm the only one out there. Um, and my Facebook page is facebookcom backslash buzzardsbeat and my blog is buzzardsbeat.com.
1: Well, those are all, I know I follow you in all of them, and they're all very, very good platforms. So I appreciate you advocating for um, beef and teaching us things, and I also appreciate being on today. Well, thank you very much.
2: I was excited to be asked to be on the Midwest Farm Wives podcast.
1: Yes, and also Brandy is going to be a speaker at my Women in Ag event in May, (laughs) so we will get to hear her talk about all these things more in depth that day. I'm so
2: excited to be there. I was actually looking at my travel, like trying to figure out, um, I have to go to a work, like uh, my day job event after that, like I'm leaving after the conference to go to that. So I was trying to figure out my travel and I'm so excited. I'm a little sad that it's like three months away or a little less than three months away. So, But I am very excited and you guys should all come. Uh, Whitney has done a fabulous job lining up really engaging and enthusiastic speakers who are going to make you think critically, not only about like fear-based marketing, but also um, just about being women in agriculture and being moms and careers and our faith and just all these really great empowering topics. And it's just going to be an awesome time. And you guys have got to get registered.
1: I agree. I'm very excited. I'm more excited maybe for myself to meet everyone and listen.
2: And so I can't wait. I know. I like, there's all these people that, you know, your friends, like you're friends with people on social media. And then you realize like Hyatt, my husband Hyatt asked me the other day, cause I was telling about this convention. I was telling about this cultivating courage event that you've organized. And, um, he was like, Oh, that's Whitney, you know, Whitney Larson. I was talking about you guys are with the Larson Angus ranch and like, um, your father-in-law knows my grandpa because of Border Collies, and, like, I've been to y'all's ranch through another program, and then, like, my husband is friends with you guys, and, like, it's such a small world, and then he was, like, yeah, I mean, uh, he's, like, so when did you meet her, and I'm, like, oh, uh, I haven't, actually, <laughs> but but we're friends. So that's just one of the beautiful things about social media. I mean, there's a lot, there's can be downsides to social media, but like I've met so many great people virtually and, and I'm excited to meet so many of those people in person at this event. It's, I'm very, very excited. You, again, you guys can't see me like flapping my hands in excitement, but I am very excited.
1: Yes. It's going to be great. Well, I appreciate you so much being on today and we will
2: see you in May. Oh, I will see you in May. Thank you. And, and good luck with your sale. Thank you.
0: That was awesome. Thanks, Brandy. We we really appreciate hearing her perspective.
1: Yes. So should we end it with a quote?
0: Yep. This one from one of my favorites, George Washington. We share a birthday. Side note. Agriculture is the most healthful, most useful, and most noble employment of man. George okay,
1: and now that my kids are banging on the doors I think we should end it
0: have a good one y'all
1: See ya. we sure appreciate all of you listening today we would love to reach more women in ag if you would like please share our
0: podcast with your friends and let us know what you think you can also find us on instagram at farm wife guru and at the grateful farm wife Be sure to follow or subscribe to the Midwest Farm Wives podcast on your favorite podcast streaming app.
1: We'll see you next time. And remember, every day may not be good, but there is some good in every day. Stay grateful, friends.